0: Dispatches, a production of Blurbank, is an in-depth look at those living artistic lives. Each episode will feature photographs and audio interviews with narrative pioneers who have taken creativity and publishing in their own hands. From artists to authors, photographers to philosophers, Dispatches will reveal the faces and foundations of those who lead the creative way. Hello, everyone. This is Dan with Blurb, and I'm in Sydney, Australia today, believe it or not. Uh, Lucky me. And I am sitting here with someone that I can't wait to interview, someone I met uh, yesterday, actually, as a matter of fact, that came via introduction from the one and only Gary Trin here in Sydney, who is... uh, Legend. The legend. Uh, I am with uh, Jess Scully and my wife, apparently, too, who's coming in. But uh, anyway, when I looked you up last night, I found curator, artist, festival director consultant and then I thought, okay, did I miss anything and forgot that I was coming in on your radio program (laughs) today. So you're also a radio host. Did I, did I miss anything?
1: Well, I'm not an artist, but that would be nice. I'd like to be one one day, but I'm not quite yet.
0: And so just give us a quick background on who you are and where you came from.
1: Uh, well, um, I am 34 and I have been working in the arts and stuff, um, Since I was about 19, I'd say, Um, I studied journalism and law and had every intention of being a political journalist because I'm really interested in politics and social impact and social change, Uh, but then got really seduced and distracted by making people who make things. Um, and so I've worked on lots of different projects and I've edited magazines for years and run projects and curated spaces and festivals and stuff like that. But um, that was yeah.
0: another question I had, which was the journalism and law. Did you envision, envision getting into trouble as a journalist and then being your own defense? Was that <laughs> or was law something like how did those two work together for you?
1: Well, I, I'd like to be able to argue with people in a more threatening way. So um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. It was I basically always just wanted to kind of understand how the system works works. And for me, that's what studying law was about. It was about understanding um, the the man. Yeah.
0: Okay. So we have a friend in the U.S. who runs a, a photo festival, yes. which started out as a very small, innocent kind of thing. And now it's in the 10th or 11th year of the Palm Springs Photo Festival. His name's Jeff Dunis, And the planning the festival has now become an eight-month ordeal for him. And it's a full-time staff. And when I look at your titles and I look at these events that you put on which we'll talk about more in a minute. I just wonder why do you do it because it the amount of work with Vivid and some of the other festivals you're doing. I mean, what what's the underlying driving desire to do this?
1: Yeah. Um I often ask the same question. Mm-hmm. Um I mean for for me I kind of measure everything against a, a purpose um and uh for me I'm really interested in seeing the creative industries and creative, generative, imaginative output being the centre of our economy. That's my that's my end game. Uh, I want us Australia is rich uh, of out of digging stuff out of the ground mm-hmm. and shipping it to be burnt in other places, um, and that is not. That, it, that does, it doesn't reflect the uh, creativity and imagination of this place. It doesn't have a great impact. It's a short-term solution that has really massive consequences. It's not what we should be basing our wealth on in this country or anywhere in the world. Um, and that makes me angry. And um, what I want to see is more of this educated, uh, connected, globally conscious um, population of ours actually be rewarded and be generating their careers and their, their, their livelihoods out of what they can dream up, not just, you know, stuff that they can shear off the sheep's back or dig out of the ground or all those sorts of things. So so that's kind of the sort of the creative industries angle. But then I'm also really interested in doing events in public space and events for a public audience, so festivals and public art and that sort of stuff. How, because, how, yeah.
0: How are the arts received in general in Australia? Um,
1: it's one of those things where it's the kind of thing that politicians are embarrassed to say, that they, they'll never say they love the arts, but they'll talk about how their wives love them getting tickets to the opera. Like, it's kind of, there's a perception, there's a, a miss apprehension about what Australia is. You know, we see Australia as a rural, uh, suburban or, you know, um, rough and tumble sort of hard living Mm knockabout kind of, you know, we see Australia like it's 1850. That's our vision of ourselves, right? Right. Really, we're the most urbanised country in the world. 98% of Australians live in cities. You know, we all live on the coast. Um, We're highly educated. We're stupidly well paid. Um, We are very, very lucky. Um, And we actually do engage with culture and the arts. You know, 88% of people go to a movie once a month, you know, or we actually do engage with culture, but we see ourselves as a sporting uh, rural you know, action rather than intellect sort of population. And I think that's an, an absolute, um, misnomer. That's, that's not, that's not what we are.
0: And do you feel today, uh, I, the exp- I hear this expression a lot Talk talking about the business of art. Yeah. Do you feel the same about that today as you did say 10 years ago or say when you started your, your career?
1: Oh, that's a really interesting question. Um, I don't know if I do. I mean, I, I think there are there are a few different things uh, that are going on. I think there's been a tension for the past ten years or so between the arts, kind of in air quotes, and the creative industries, and there's been a reluctance from the the art world and people who make for the sake of making to be burdened with um, instrumentality—the idea that you make things to have a social impact or a reason and also um, burdened with the idea of having to generate an income and this kind of economic rationalist perspective that things must be made for a reason and make money. I get that. And then on the other side of things, you've got the creative industries where it's about employing creativity to – Make a living to to, to generate profit to mm-hmm. to have a, you know an economic financial return, I think they're two very separate things, and I think I kind of drift between both and i'll argue both sides depending on the context so i i'm still I'm conflicted, but I think it's they're different tools for different reasons
0: and I think there's room there for for everyone for the yeah. people that are making things strictly for a profit and people who are just making because they feel the need to make and that that sort of leads me to the next question, which based on your your experience in working with all these creatives is is art something that you choose as a profession or is art something that comes to most of these people because it's built into their DNA and it's something that they have to do
1: i think art making and expressing ourselves and telling stories is a fundamental human thing and i think only very few of us are lucky and privileged enough to have the opportunity to to find our voice, or to have the chance to make a living, at the, the luckiest of all of us, we get to make a living doing that. I, I think I don't think there are creative people and non-creative people. Mm-hmm. I think those people who maybe haven't had that tapped that haven't, haven't tapped that or found their particular medium or people who've been, um, encouraged not to, or people who have, you know, for, for many reasons, not had the opportunity to do it. I think everybody has something they express themselves with. I mean, there's, you know, dudes who, who make hot rods. That's incredibly creative. Uh, people who have incredible tattoos, that's incredibly creative. I mean, people, we are a very visually driven culture. We care about stories, I think everybody has a creative
0: instinct. So you used to edit magazines back in the day. And my question is now with the life that you live and the number of creatives that you run into and the experiences you have, how come you're not doing your own magazine now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because that crime doesn't pay. (laughs) Oh, okay. All
0: right. No,
1: I mean, I, I love media. I love it. But I actually... Um, because I have a really short attention span and I'm really impatient.
0: Mm -hmm. We talked about that with your Instagram habit. Oh,
1: my God, I'm hooked, you know. I just want to make things now, 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 now. And that's why I do a radio show every week. So for me, that actually ticks my media box because I have two hours where I can just talk, I can... Basically make, make a magazine without having to write anything down mm-hmm. uh, or look at layouts or, you know, for me, that is my kind of media experience. But I have to say, I mean, I constantly wish I was blogging. I wish I was making media. I think all the time about how I'd love to. I love magazines. I love books. I love publications. But I'm just I'm too impatient. At the moment, one day, hopefully, I'll relax. Maybe when
0: you get old and you yeah, slow down, yeah. you know, we'll be here. We'll be old and gray and come <laughs> back and revisit that topic. Okay. So there's a million things that I, w- that I still want to talk about, but one I want to jump to is Vivid. Yes. Can you give us a little background? The f- and the last time that I was in Sydney, and the, actually the people that we're going to have dinner with tonight, I was at their house and they said to me how did you like Sydney? And I said, I don't really know. I didn't see it. I was inside the whole time. And they said, well, what did you? What do you think of the harbor? And I said, I don't know. I didn't see it. And they looked at me and thought I was kidding. And then they said, well, what do you think of the opera house? And I said, I don't know. I didn't see it. And the father said, get in the car. And, <laughs> and it was pouring rain. And we drove down there and it was the, vivid was going on yep. and they had you projected on the side of the on the opera house itself and i was like wow what is this so give us a little it's an 18-day creative festival or yes. idea festival
1: well it's an 18-day festival of music light and ideas uh it was started the first year was 2009 um and it has very prosaic uh and unromantic under- origins you know it's it's basically a tourism event designed to draw people to the city but it Within that, you've got the light where we illuminate um, the Opera House, which is beautiful, the Harbour Bridge, a bunch of stunning – there's this gorgeous Art Deco building, which is the Museum of Contemporary Art. There's a beautiful Beaux Arts building called the Customs House, and there's light installations, about 60 light installations, all along the harbour through the heart of the city. Um, And it runs for 18 days. That's the lighting part. Then there's a whole bunch of music acts that perform. Uh, in various venues, and then there's the bit that I curate. So there's three festival directors essentially, and I'm I'm the one of ideas. And what that is is a creative industries festival that is about spanning the whole spectrum of the creative sector. So there's about 16 different disciplines from design, screen content, media, uh, built environment, film, music, fashion, publishing, technology, startup culture, you name it. Um, And for me, it's about building the business end of that creative sector. So not just talking about what inspires us, although certainly that is there, not just talking about kind of the latest and the greatest and the gadgets and, you know, new opportunities, but also how do we actually mobilize the rest of the economy to be the clients and appreciate the value add that the creative industries brings to the table. So we have about 200 events over the 18 days of the festival. And it's everything from you know student and young people and engaging and um, working out what your what your um, opportunities are within that sector to extremely high level professional development events to networking functions to conferences you name it
0: and if someone was coming in from out of the city is there a certain time that would be better than others or they can jump into vivid at any time during the 18 days yeah
1: may it runs from may 22 to June 8 roughly okay. every year um, and um, we're trying to Because it's such a big offering, I'm I'm trying to get better at segmenting that offering so you know when to come. Okay, I'm I'm into photography. Those are the four days I'm going to come to Vivid. Or I'm into tech and startup. I'm going to come on those four days. But
0: we're getting there. We're getting there. And if there's one thing for you as a director of putting something like that together, if there's one thing that you don't have that you wish you had to make Vivid or the future festival. More staff. (laughs) That's what it is. Money, staff. And there's no lack of uh, creative people to pull no, from around the world? No,
1: it's just time. I mean, you know, as as you were saying about your friend, for us now it's like, uh, you know, 10 months or so of the year. We're a very, very, very small team, um, deceptively small team. We, you know, it's it's a constant battle as far as resourcing goes. But, um, you know, that'd be boring if there was nothing to complain about.
0: Of course. Um, my final question is based on something that we talked about a little bit about last night and the note that i took for myself was what role will creatives play in saving us from ourselves because you were talking about how within the workforce you have people who let's say are in mining or you have people that are in banking and they're they're viewed as like oh they're a productive part of the of the revenue of, mm. of the country but creatives even though they are as, as well they equal a certain amount a certain percentage of the of the money c- coming in they don't. Aren't, they aren't necessarily viewed that way. So, how do you feel about that? And, how, and what, do you, what role do you think creatives will play in a world that we, you know, definitely has some issues? Where how are they going to help in the future?
1: I, I think um, the, our economy, which is based on growth, is, is based on the idea of attaching value ever ever increasing the number of things you attach value to so it's about taking things that are have have been free in the past or have an unquantified value whether it's home labor based labor or derivatives or whatever it is and attaching a value to it and therefore generating a transaction around that that's what the economy looks like um, we think that people who make banking transactions or you know sell coal, That's a legitimate adding of value. But what about the adding of value that comes from design, from um, developing uh, efficiencies through kind of analysing a system, through documenting things and and developing a community? Those are are relatively new ways of adding value. And so I don't think our economy knows how to value it yet. That's one part of the problem. I think the other part of the problem is that we as creatives undervalue and undermine what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, we because we love what we do we'll give it away for free or we'll say oh i'm just a blah or i'm only a filmmaker or i you know i i do that on the side or i think we need to start owning that a bit more and i think we obviously need to start charging for that a little bit more and i think we need to band together and i think there's a unfortunate of course i understand I still do a lot of what I do for free, but unfortunately this kind of intern culture and this kind of give it away mm-hmm. culture undermines what we do. And I think we need to appreciate that the, skill, the skills that you develop over 25 years of being a photographer are very different to the skills that you have just because you've got a phone with a camera on it, you know? So, exactly. So I think it's about learning how to articulate the value add that we contribute as creative practitioners. And I think it's also about mobilizing politically. Um, so, for example, I think most of the great gains that have been made as far as welfare of the population are the you know, in the 20th century came through the labour movement, through saying, you know, a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. We don't have that anymore and we don't organise collectively because we work independently. I don't mm-hmm. work in an office. I don't I, – I do work in an office. What am I talking about? But, you know, I don't clock in. You know, but, you know, many of us work independently where we've kind of got this individualistic culture that we've been sold as freedom and flexibility when, in fact, what it has done is undermine uh, our – our, our benefits and our ability to, um, get, to leverage our, our numbers and turn it into a positive outcome. So mm-hmm. I think we need a union. Um, <laughs> those are,
0: those are, uh, dangerous terms. I don't know what they're like in Australia. Oh yeah, No, it's dangerous yeah, here, same, too. Same. It's dangerous here right. too.
1: You know, I, I think we need a union and I think we need like a rate, we need rate cards and I think we need, um,
0: and I think, I think it, it also goes back to the education of the kids coming out of school yeah. that they've got to be. Because, you know, you come out of school, you're trying to get work, you're trying to make a name. And people know that. They're not necessarily malicious people, but they think, well, this is a person that we can get for free. And you're young and you think, I'll just do this for free and then they're going to love me and I'll get future work. And a lot of times they go, well, thank, that was great, but we're going to go find somebody else yeah. for free.
1: And we've all done it, you know, yeah. and that's fine because you to an extent you need to get better. But I think we need to be able to value We need to be able to almost rank the experience that you might have after 25 years or with so much experience. And so, you know, I think it's a question of organising, of being able to um, almost standardise what is a very um, broad and and varied sort of spectrum of creative work. But I also think in terms of the education side of things, having a better idea of what the jobs are that are available and Mm -hmm. that you can also kind of create these hybrid roles, which don't, won't even exist yet. And so, you know, you don't just have to be a journalist or a photographer or a filmmaker. There are hundreds of other jobs that sit around those sure. um, that offer opportunities as well.
0: Well, thank you for all of that. It was wonderful to uh, finally get a chance to sit down and talk with you. I really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll be venturing back here for for Vivid. That would be wonderful and we can continue this conversation.
1: Yeah, come back for Vivid, everyone.
0: Yes, I'm hoping that uh, back at the Blurb Mothership they hear that and uh, send me back. (laughs) So thanks again, Jess. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Daniel.
1: Thank you.